0: Hey, folks! It's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to a new episode of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn
1: it up. Yeah.
0: All right, crowdfunders. How's everybody doing out there? Beautiful, wonderful land of crowdfunding. You know, that magical, special place where you put your ideas up on the internet and millions of dollars just flows in. That's right. Kickstarters. All right, guys. You know, that world doesn't exist, which is why you're listening to this podcast and why I'm doing this podcast, because uh, as some of you might know, it's challenging to run a Kickstarter. So, with all that said, I am your host, Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel. I am CEO of Woodshed Agency. And we are a marketing firm that helps companies and startups uh, navigate the wonderful world of crowdfunding, whether that's Kickstarters, Indiegogos, or equity crowdfunding too, if we're looking for investors. So we put together the strategies and the plans and the content needed to to raise the capital. So with all that said, we have absolutely an amazing guest on today. I'm going to be talking to the lead singer of the band, icon for hire. Her name is Ariel Bloom. And they have a Kickstarter going on right now uh, with 11 days to go. Currently over 1,900 backers, over $147,000 has come in uh, for their Kickstarter campaign for their upcoming album. And I don't get to talk to musicians um, very often who are in a band running a Kickstarter. I talk to musicians who have made a product, you know, they've made a new tech widget or something like that. But it was amazing to talk to a singer of a band who's in it right now for many reasons. Number one, if you guys know me, you know, my background, obviously, I have uh, done a lot in the music world, right? Um, and it still is still is a, uh, a passion of mine, right? The 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 band getting a band together recording music uh live sound all that stuff so getting a chance to talk to a band who one is in the middle of of this pandemic who life has completely been flipped upside down um and is uh looking for new ways uh still being creative uh this interview was it was inspiring truthfully to hear um for for many reasons one is um ariel has a Man, just a great sense of what it takes to be a band in today's world, to really do it the right way, the way to connect to a crowd. Um, so that was very awesome to hear. So again, if you are a musician or you're somebody that's thinking about using crowdfunding, it does exist. It does work, but you have to do it the right way. Second thing that was just, uh, just great to hear was um, kind of for myself, just this, you know, being re- rest, you know, reassured that the strategies that we talk about on a day-to-day basis still matter and still make sense, and then when you see the strategies that we talk about being executed perfectively, like like just absolutely beautifully, right? Um, it really does inspire you. It's inspiring, right? Um, and and we say this quite a bit. So again, this is some you know some information that if you're thinking about running a crowdfunding campaign. We, we ask everybody, who's your front man in your band? Who's going to do it? Who's going to be the one talking on the mic, in the Facebook videos, on the Kickstarter videos? Who's going to do it? Because if you don't have that person in your project, it's not going to be successful. And we use the term front man all the time. Who's your front man? You know, we use a ton of band analogies because what's going on in a band is what needs to be going on in your startup. It's not that different, which is why for myself, you know, people are always like, uh, how did you get into this? It's not that big of a jump from being in a band or being a musician or trying to run a studio. It's not that different, right? Um if you're in a band, you're you know, you're going to have five or six, you know, songs. One of them might be a hit. You might have 20 songs. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, you might have five or six projects for myself. I run a record label basically for startup companies, right? So like I might be working with 20 projects but only two of them really have you know, an idea or a product that's that's truly worthy uh, of recognition, or, or people really want it, right? That's not that different than being in a band. Uh, oh, also, you know, in a band, nobody wants to hear your song. I want to hear the song that I loved back when I was in middle school. So nobody wants to hear your new thing. How many times have you been to a show where a band plays a new song and you are like, "Well, I'll go get the beer now," right? So again, no different than a startup company. I already have a thing. I already have a monitor. I have a microphone. I don't need the new thing. I already have it. So you are. You're, you're already walking into a brisk headwind. Um, so you've got this stuff going on. So this is an episode that I am like, I, this is like, it might be my most favorite episode because it really did sync all of this together in an example of a band who's raised over $145,000 for their new album. Now, so again, if you're a musician, you're going to love this. If you're not a musician, listen to it and apply everything that we're talking about in this episode to the startup world. So again, that interview is coming up here in just a little bit. Look at me. I'm teasing. I'm becoming like a radio pro. I'm doing a little teaser here. So like I said, that, that interview, it's going to be coming up in a second. But I haven't chatted in a while. I haven't been on the podcast. Uh, today was challenging to even record this right now. Right now, I usually record these in the morning, right away, like eight in the morning on Monday. It's currently 340 on Monday. So like I didn't record it all day. So I've been thinking about... What was that? What am I going to say all day? What, what am I going to say? I haven't been, we haven't done an episode in a couple weeks. Um, I, it's really slow. I don't know why. Nobody wants to be guests on the podcast. I don't know. But, um, you know, my office gets turned into a new pod schooling system, right? Um, with four kids coming in here, My two of mine, two, and then my friends, two, uh, two other friends. So four kids come in and we have a new teacher that comes in. So Mondays and Wednesdays, my life just gets. I I have to just work from home. I don't have access to my you know recording equipment. I'm also standing sitting right next to a washer and dryer now, so you know it's a little bit more challenging to get this intro done. So like, uh, so you know, I wanted to record this morning. And I was like, oh, that's not going to happen. I usually record at eight thirty. School starts at eight thirty out of uh, out of the old woodshed way here. Um, so you know, so you know it's a little bit of an adjustment right and uh we're working on some stuff here and this I, so, so what's happening around here I, I i'll be again i'll be incredibly honest with everybody here i'm not enjoying the schooling system I'm not enjoying it uh what my kids are going through at the moment i just don't i'm not into it and we my wife and i are adamantly discussing right now uh homeschooling them switching to homeschooling so what's happening is that november 9th my kids are supposed to go back to school for two and a half hours a day, little, little hybrid learning, two and a half hours a day back at school. I find that to be like, what, you know, um, this online schooling is odd. We've had this teacher now for th- three weeks or so, maybe four. I don't even know at this point, you know, it's okay, but I'm hemorrhaging money. Um, when it comes to it, uh, I'm still watching my son not get his work done. Um, you know, it's just not, Oh, you know, it's just a lot going on. So, so really been trying to have a lot of conversations around what can I control? What can I control? Right. And this schooling world right now, my kids education has created all kinds of pressures that were not there, not only over the summer, but in the spring, this idea of, you know, their schedule now dictates everything. I'm not into that, especially considering that I have kind of created a life for me that a, there, there really isn't a schedule. Like I make my schedule. I work really hard. I take a random day off when I'm just exhausted. I'm just burnt out. So to have this outside pressure of, hey, uh, one kid's got to be on at 8.30. The other kid's got to be at nine. Then they got to flip-flop. Then they got to have lunch at this time. This time, and, and, and that pressure has been not really put on my wife. Um, and then also the thing that's been really stressful even for myself is Like I can't just jump in and help the way the system is set up. It's really designed for like a one person show to help the kids. Right. So I don't, I don't even know what's going on. I get an email and I'm like, ah, should I log in? What's the password? Where where do they upload it? Like I just, I'm not plugged in. So I don't really know. So it's really created just a lot of chaos in my house. So I go back and I go, well, what can I control? I can control what's in my house. I can control the atmosphere. So this idea of two and a half hours a day of them at school—I don't think that solves anything. I think it actually makes it worse because now we've got that new variable thrown in the mix here. Um, so I sat down with the wife and I said, "Listen, they're probably doing two hours of work a day. Let's just get that done eight to ten, and then work. Kids can do other stuff. Go outside, play a video game, chill, be a kid." So what I'm what I'm really getting like soaked up into is we are in a pandemic that the world has never seen before. And here in the States, we're not treating it like it exists because we're idiots, right? Because that's what we do. Um, so this idea that we're jamming a traditional school day through a Chrome computer, that that's not very good thinking. That's not very good thinking. You, we needed to think differently. We needed to expand. We needed to change. We needed to pivot. So just jamming what used to be into this new world creates chaos. It's not, and it drives me nuts too because it's not innovative. And, and that's what I'm, I'm truly looking for is we need something to be a little bit more innovative in this system. Um, hold on one quick second here. So, it's just, it's hard to explain. If you have young kids, you might be realizing, might be in the same boat I'm in. It's just adding a lot. And I'd like to take some control of that back. And I'd like to just acknowledge truly where we are right now and just say this is what it is my kids aren't going to be idiots at the end of this they'll be fine they'll learn some multiplication tables they'll continue to read and write you know and be kids and it's okay and you know what let's go worst case scenario they need to they need they graduate when they're 19 okay well we went through a major pandemic It's what it is so Got all that going on. I bring all this up because these are things, this the control thing, I think it's a narrative that startup, if you're a CEO of your own company or you're getting ready to, to launch a Kickstarter, there's some things you can control, some things you can't. I had a client today ask me, Jeff, I don't understand why we can't average just a 10x return on Facebook ads. Well, if I could do that by just, boom, boom, just magically, I would do it every single time. That's not how it works. I can't control that. I can put out the best I can. I can do strategies and I can do all this stuff. But like, it's not some guaranteed thing of like, oh, I push this button. I get $10 back every time I spend a dollar. Doesn't work like that. Does not work like that. So I say all that, but again, a lot of stuff going on. Oh, also get ready to move in a couple weeks. Yeah, we're working. We're very close to closing on this house, which means I'm going to be uprooting my whole life and moving. Now you start to see why if I'm moving early November and the kids are supposed to switch to this schooling thing, there's a lot going on and I just need to accept that. There's a lot going on. So, all right, everybody. I hope you guys got through that rant. Hopefully that tease was, uh, wasn't too long that you got through all of it. But um, if you are a first-time uh, project creator, you got to do a couple things. One, go to woodshed.agency right now. There's all kinds of stuff there. Click on our blog, listen to these podcasts, make sure you're smashing our subscribe button and being a part of it. If that doesn't work, you know what? Go to our Discord channel. Jump on there. I'm over there. I'll answer some questions for you. But my point to all that is do your homework. Do your research. Do not go out and, you know, not understand what's going on. Because if you do that, it's on you. We're putting out valuable information here for everybody. So, again, lots and lots of resources for you. So, go to that's the first thing. And then, again, if you're enjoying this podcast, make sure you, want you, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to it. Or over on YouTube, you can watch the live video of it If that's what you want to do as well Plenty of content over there So uh, I hope you guys are doing well And uh, why don't we go ahead and kick over my conversation with Ariel From the band Icon for Hire And again, go check out their Kickstarter I'm a backer i I love to see you over there And um, yeah, check out this campaign And again, really listen to what we talk about Because we got way into the weeds on it So alright guys, here's my conversation With Ariel from Icon for Hire
2: I'm saying no
0: the red lights on and you should be comfortable in this right I think you're like my first musician that's probably had the red light on a few times in recording right is it that... I have
3: I'm your first <laughs> musician that's crazy
0: well, I, I mean I've had other musicians but like a band you know, you yes, know I've had like yeah. people who's okay. made an instrument all right so my first question is uh what'd you have for breakfast this morning uh, a
3: piece of toast with the jam that my dad made and then cheese from Aldi which is the place to get cheese in yeah, case that that in is
0: the pl- yeah No, uh-huh. I get a lot of stuff from Aldi's Aldi's is like yes. the best it really it is. Really is. Yeah, it's great yeah. for us
3: musicians on a budget, too. <laughs> yes,
0: uh, or yes. if you own a uh, crowdfunding agency, you're also on a budget. So uh, Exactly, yes. oh,
3: you
0: get it. Well, awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you uh, uh, letting us know what you had for breakfast this morning. Why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you introduce yourself to my audience and tell me what you're currently ra- uh, raising money for over on Kickstarter? Yes,
3: my name is Arielle. I'm from a rock band called Icon for Hire, and we are currently funding our fourth studio album called Amorphous we're entirely independent. We don't have the support of a record label or a big team. So we rely on our fans to kind of serve that role. And they are definitely hooking it up for us. <laughs> and The campaign's going great. So we're very happy. Yeah.
0: No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so where did like crowdfunding kind of fit into this? I know that there's kind of an interesting backstory. I know it's tied to COVID a little bit here, but like what, where did this all kind of come from to, to do a, uh, to do a Kickstarter here?
3: Yeah, it's not new for us. We uh, were with the label for many years. It wasn't for us. So we ended up filing bankruptcy, and then we left the label because that dissolved our contract with them. And so when we wanted to make music after that, we were like, what do we do? So we launched a Kickstarter in 2016. It did really well. We've since done Patreon on a monthly basis since then. So this is just kind of built into our ethos now with our mm. our, our audience. They get this, this world. We weren't sure if we were going to do another Kickstarter, but then we had a lot of fans that actually asked for it. They were excited about the idea. And I thought it would be so lame to just release an album on iTunes when we could make it this really beautiful experience sure. and do these cool rewards. And it's a very... Each time with our fan base because of the campaign yep. and then also like, like you mentioned with COVID uh we did have to cut our tour short due to COVID our last wow. shows were scheduled in Italy we had to you know rebook all our flights we lost out a lot of deposits um it was a huge financial hit so because of that it also made sense to to turn to our fans to help out financially
0: yeah that's awesome so where in this kind of equation though uh, of like the band's ethos does does uh, having the crowds kind of be a part of it. I mean, I know you mentioned about the, the, the past support, but like, how do you start to adapt that sort of mindset? I mean, it's kind of like the Amanda Palmer, you know, mindset, if I'm not mistaken. Totally. I, mean, I think she's yeah. like the tip of the spear of this world. So like, where does it start to fit in where you're like, you know what? We should be doing this for our for our project.
3: It felt like it was birthed out of necessity when we didn't really have, you know, any other way to keep making music. So we turned to our fans like, "Hey, now that we're not on this label, if you want continued creations from us, we're gonna have to find a new model. Are you willing to experiment around with us?" Sure. And they totally were. So in that way, it was birthed from that. But also, we have been a band for 13 years. We've mm-hmm. always been really DIY, really independent. You know, I have made all my own clothes that I wear on stage and the music mm-hmm. videos. I to support myself, sold all the clothes that I made to our fans. I would sit at the merch table and sew two, two to order and that was how you know we paid the rent for many years because music wouldn't support us <laughs> right. um so and then you know we've always as most fans learn it's a lot more rewarding and fulfilling and just smarter to have a good connection with your fans yeah. and you know to not just leave it all to this big machine marketing company but to, to to create that one-on-one connection it makes it easier for me as a songwriter to know how i want to connect with what i want to say with to our listeners um, and so it just seemed kind of natural. Our fans really already knew that knew us. There wasn't this big, like, we're unapproachable thing going on. We've always right. been, you know, the, the band at the festival putting up all the flyers and hanging out until 2 in the morning, talking to some kid who's crying about their parents' divorce. Or, you know, we have a lot of fans with a lot of the emotional issues, which I also have, so I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> so we just bonded over that, and it hasn't yeah. ever stopped. We just keep bonding. That was a long That's answer,
0: cool. but no, that was great. So you know, for <laughs> our our listeners who may have no idea what you guys sound like or that sort of stuff, kind of walk us through maybe um, you know, uh, there's this band, our band's here, and then there's this band. Where do you guys kind of fit in the in the in in, in like the spectrum of sound and, and what you guys sound like?
3: Yeah, well, our favorite band is Lincoln Park, so I okay. want to sound like Lincoln Park. <laughs> However. I'm a vocalist, so being a female-fronted, quote-unquote, band means that we're always exclusively compared to other female-fronted bands like Paramore, Evanescence, Hailstorm, that world. Sometimes I get some Gwen Stefani. um, But we're inspired by 21 Pilots as well. Um, We've we've got some hip-hop elements in our music, so it's kind of in that vein. That's
0: cool. That's cool. Um, So you mentioned 13 years as a band, um, and this this crowdfunding campaign is for a new album, correct? Yep. And what's what's the? Do you have a title on it? What what is what's kind of the the bulk of this type of music? What what are you being inspired by? What's happening right now?
3: Yeah, the title is Amorphous. It is 14 tracks, but Kickstarter backers will get an exclusive four more tracks that aren't on the album that's available to the public. Um, this sound, we're a little bit going back to some of our roots. Um, a lot of our fans really, I think, their favorite album of ours is still our first album because that's when they were first exposed mm-hmm. to us. Which I understand. Sure. Yeah. So we did take it back, and also we. We're a little bit uh, emotional and maybe especially angry about some of the COVID limitations. I think the whole world is. So that anger and aggression came out, and these songs are a little heavier than maybe we even expected they would be. (laughs) But that felt that feels honest, authentic at this time. But really, it's uh, I always have to be thinking, I've written so many songs at this point, so I have to keep thinking how I can keep be keeping honest, keeping relevant, keep things fresh. Um, and for me, that means always digging a little bit deeper and getting a little more vulnerable, like more than sure. I knew I could. So this yeah. album, we try to do
2: that.
0: Yeah. Well, let's walk through a little bit about, maybe for, again, for somebody who's not aware of the songwriting world, what's, what's your process like? Is it starting with an acoustic guitar and just a, a quick melody or a beat? What, how do you guys start the process? Uh,
3: we do two ways primarily. So The way that I do it is I'll sit right here at my piano when I have a feeling. So it always has to be, for me, an inspirational strike. I hate to write with this, like, let's write a song mentality. That, like, Mm -hmm. is so cringy to me. So I always am emotional. I'll be like, oh, I really need to express this, and I'll just sit and kind of play it out, and then something will come, and then I will write the song, and then I'll bring it to Sean, my partner, guitar player, and he will kind of demo it out. So that's one way. The other way is he is actually a producer himself, so he will create this awesome musical piece Send it to me and then I'll put I'll write vocals over mm.
0: it. That's cool. That's cool. Is there a way that you prefer the most or the best? Is there something that you're like, uh, I really like this way the best?
3: Well, it kind of seems that all the higher energy songs start from Sean producing. So those <laughs> end up being the singles that resonate sure. with people. But all the more like sad, sappy ballads are come from me at the piano. So <laughs> anything that's really emotionally based and just emo really, that's gonna right. come from me at the piano. And I like those because they just feel so organic to me. Yeah. um but but i think our fans probably resonate with the high energy stuff
0: <laughs> okay all right all right yeah and, and where'd you grow up
3: i was born in sweden lived there till oh. i was about six then moved to minneapolis and then um, my dad had a job transfer when i was like 15 so i moved to illinois and that's where i met sean and that's where we started the band
0: gotcha gotcha and is there like a location for the band now like where do you guys where do you guys uh yes yeah, we're in nashville was... oh very nice it's a hot so... town. that's a sweet sweet area
3: it's great. We really like it. They've got like awesome food and nice people. It's, it's great. It's not like
0: there's a super There's a little bit of, there's a little bit of music there. I've heard, like, I, I don't know. Yeah. they have got a little, just a little bit there. So that's
1: what cool. I've heard too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, you know, for, maybe for a young band out there, um, do you think right now Kickstarter and crowdfunding is actually something that a young band can actually go into and have success with? Um, or is it something that because you guys have a track record, and a fan base and that sort of stuff that that, that's why you're having success do you think that a young band can actually just jump on and do this
3: it depends I think you can be the big fish in the small pond and be pretty young still if you've got your engaged kind of like talent around you which is how we started in Decatur, Illinois you know we just got all our friends and family around us from the beginning and that's how we were able to grow I don't want to be ignorant and naive and think that anyone can replicate what we've done because we have been lucky to have the label backing at one point which helped with exposure and i'm aware of that but every band is responsible for their tribe building and the culture that they build and so if you are really you know with your fans doing a bunch of live streams you're engaged on socials engaged after your shows or before your shows i think it could be possible i would almost then you know encourage someone to start on patreon then Mm because it's going to be a little bit of a way to test the waters it's not quite as public of a thing there's not a lot of press around it And then if that's successful, maybe you can parlay
0: that into a Kickstarter campaign. That's cool. That's cool. So you may not know this, but my listeners will. Uh, I used to own recording studios and um, I had four of them. And I used to crowdfund every single project. And I actually would, I was like a minor league baseball uh, system for musicians. So a band would come to me. I would kickstart their project. We would do a live in-studio performance, seven songs, all videotaped, and then put out a vinyl record. So this was like two thousand. Nine through 2015 we did almost 300 bands this way we got four or five bands signed it was great right um so that's why i was excited to chat about this because i haven't seen bands have a lot of success truly since i left doing kickstarters i left i got out of it i was like i can't there because we lost you know well we got into it used to be everything would be organic so i could just tweet and facebook and we would yeah, backers, right? Back in and the now, good old days, yes. right? Right now, I, I have to have like Facebook ad budget of like twenty grand, and it's like, well, wait, you know, this doesn't work anymore. Like, this isn't no. this doesn't work anymore. Um, so that's why I was asking some of these questions because I'm wondering, just you know, uh, very rarely have I seen bands been been using crowdfunding as successfully as you guys are. A couple Kickstarter's, the Patreon, and I, I just wonder if that still exists for you know a good band, just a band that's like, hey, we're a good band from Detroit. Is, no, that, no is that one, possible anymore you know
3: I don't know if people care about a good band from Detroit quote unquote, but people do care about Jimmy from the good band from Detroit and if people are having that emotional personal connection and the band is doing a great job of fostering that which you can create at yeah. no cost through socials um, right pretty just by doing a bunch of lives a bunch of insta stories a bunch of personal cool notes like it is possible to build that I don't know if you're gonna you are going to you know, make $50,000, but I think you could maybe do a five or $10,000 campaign, friends and family style with a little bit of extra love from your fans. But it's just, it's kind of the same thing. It's always been, well, more now than ever, really. Like if you don't have a fan base, it's going to be hard to activate non-existent fans. I don't think that, you know, if you build it, they will come. I don't think posting them on Kickstarter it means that you'll get right. tons right, of right. money magically. It's really based on the strength of that relationship.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you, you just hit on something kind of interesting. Um, you clearly, I can already get that vibe, are comfortable being – that person on Instagram stories per se right so how do you maybe think about other bands or why you're comfortable in that because a lot of bands are like I'm a musician I'm an introvert I don't want let my music speak like you know what I mean that's and that's a tough thing it's you know in my music world I'm a guitar player and had bands for many years like I was that guy I'll be out I'm cool but like it is a personality type that I think has to be in these projects to some degree too do you find that that's be a little bit true as well
3: too i mean there's a reason sean isn't on this interview with me because he doesn't really talk you know i'm the one who does the talking and i've always been i am an introverted person i do get more energy from being by myself but i know how to show up and you know articulate i'm the lyricist i know how to talk basically but for me the secret sauce is understanding emotional connection and i i always think back to when i I was like 14 or 15 and Lincoln Park came on the scene blew my mind and I was like oh, these dudes in their 20s get me this is crazy
1: <laughs> right. it
3: created that bond and I spent so much of my babysitting money on that band like yeah. right like I gave I was out in the cold for hours promoting them I gave everything to them so I think about what did they do to me that hooked me in so much how can I make it easy for other people to resonate with me as an artist and I think I kind of try to get out of the way, let my ego get out of the way and just be like, I want to serve potential fans who would benefit from my music. And if that means they have to watch me do a hair tutorial, I'm happy to do that. (laughs) You know, but I know it's not a personality for everyone. I teach at um, uh, music conferences. I do a bunch of speaking on that. And so I talk to, dudes in their 50s who are like how do i get on tiktok i don't know i don't know man uh, yeah. but the secret is really sharing insecurities and, and being like yo i'm a 50-year-old dude who doesn't know how to do this but i'm gonna just figure it out and right. do it in my imperfect way that's kind of special like that can be yeah. magical and sure. that's almost more interesting than another chick in her 20s who's cute like doing her little dance because there's millions right. of those you know?
1: yeah right
0: so I'm really glad we just talked about this because um, I coach a ton of, of uh, startup companies, right? That's kind of what cool. I flipped into. My okay. analogy is constantly, who's the front man in your band? Who is going to be this person that's going to take your widget, your jacket that heats up, whatever it is that you're working on and says, I believe in this. I, I had a bad day. I had a down day. And, and you mentioned that word insecurities because I think that that is actually what all these, you know, if you're doing crowdfunding, you're embracing your insecurities to say, we need some yeah. money. Yes, <laughs> you know we, we want to do this thing. Do you guys want to do it with us? So I think I think we uh, you know what I'm hitting at is and I'm, I'll probably be using this as some uh, some content around like you got to be a frontman. You have to be comfortable in that space. Whether you're putting out an album, making a widget, selling selling your cookies. I don't know. You got you got a cupcakes shop. Whatever it, it doesn't matter. You yes. got to find a way to do this sort of stuff. So so where do you guys see like um, you know this campaign kind of going? What does it mean? What is, what happens? when the money drops, what starts happening in your guys' process and stuff?
3: Uh, It's sort of the rallying cry around the album launch. So the album won't launch for a few more months, but currently the Kickstarter is, in a weird way, part of the marketing plan because there's a lot of buzz around the Kickstarter. It makes it easy for people to know there's an album coming, buy in, get excitement. You know, We have a lot of excitement about the rewards that we're doing and we keep launching new cool things for everyone. So that's part of it. and it's going to help the, – the money that we're raising is helping with music videos, is helping with mixing and mastering post-production, sure. marketing, blah, 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 all the, all the yeah. boring stuff. Um, but it just really ensures that we get to put our, our album out our way,
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know, and create this beautiful, fun story around it where our fans are part of it with us. That's sure. kind of the point. So they yeah, know, like, from the beginning, yeah. they were part of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the – when we did all of our Kickstarters for musicians, our, we loved putting out the rewards because you can make the rewards. So like we would do mystery boxes and it would just be like, lyric yeah. sheets and just whatever. I mean, and, and it's, it's like the, uh, it's the equivalent of like the deluxe box set of like, Oh, I got Led Zeppelin's deluxe box set from, you know, and it's got all these things in it and you're just, you know, and it's, it's crazy how much music has turned into the, the album artwork, the flipping, the, I want to hold and be a part of something as I'm listening. And, Kickstarter really does that. But again, I think that's a challenge for a lot of bands to think that way about their music, to think that it's more than just, I, I'm just listening to it in the car. It's
1: how do you you guys think about all that
0: stuff? You know,
3: I get so inspired when I look at other um, artists who are successfully have a Kickstarter campaign reading through the rewards because sometimes they just, there's so much personality each The way that they, it could come across as a really like begging kind of thing, but the way that they phrase it, the the way that they kind of spin it, it makes you just fall in love with them and you're like, oh, this is so cool. I don't care that you're asking for 20 grand for something that's not worth 20 grand at all. I love it or or whatever it is. Um, If there's like a crazy reward because people are just having fun with it, not taking it too seriously. And that's what Kickstarter is. It's a chance to show your personality. And so like, that's what I was saying earlier. I feel like you have to almost get over yourself and, and not downplay your personality but think of it as a way i'm going to serve my fans by making it easy for them to see themselves as part of this campaign by sharing their personality yeah. you know
1: yeah.
3: um, so i was i mean i edited and directed the video for this i did all the, the whole story i did all the rewards i just knew if i could just think about it so at like two in the morning i just be up typing thinking of everything <laughs> and if yeah. i could just wrap my head around it and think of it like i'm writing a song like how do i want the end user to feel when they see this that kind of yeah. helped anchor me
0: 100 yeah. So. Specifically though, this campaign, when did you guys know that you were ready to launch? Did you guys do some pre-launch? Did you tease it somewhere? How did you know that, hey, we should hit that launch button?
1: Oh,
3: um, well, we planned it for the same day that our first single came out, so that was the the strategy on that. We did before, two days before that, we did make it public, um, and so our patrons were able to come over and have first access to all the rewards, Mm. and we made it very clear to our Patreon family, we love you guys, there's no pressure to participate in the Kickstarter, and we still are giving a lot of our patrons really good perks that you can't still get from the Kickstarter, and if you double up, you get, like, amazing perks, basically. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, there was a few days, and... That was really cool to see how, how good the response was. We have about 500 patrons, and we did, I want to say, about $30,000 before it went really live to the public, yeah. which is, we were super stoked on that, so it was great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Did,
0: did you have any conversations or thoughts around, our audience is on Kickstarter? Or, like, you know, like, our audience is the right demographic for Kickstarter, or is there a, our Kickstarters lame? Now, our Kickstarters aren't cool anymore? Like, is there any internal yeah. conversation like that, you know?
3: Yeah, I guess... I know that our audience isn't like hanging out on kickstarter.com all day, but I know that we we tell them to go there. You know, they obviously are familiar with the campaign cause we did one a few years ago. So we've already educated our audience about how this works and everything. Um, There was a little thought of, will it not show growth to be back on Kickstarter? Will that show that we haven't really come far? And I just had, that was kind of people from our team, like more traditional industry people that were saying that. And I was like, I don't really care because I know this is going to be awesome. (laughs) And I I know our fans would be disappointed if we just were like, here's a video, here's an album, ta-da, go find it on Spotify. That's too boring. We have to make it really dynamic and interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what did you feel like, Now, again, this is number two, but maybe what you learned from one to two on the Kickstarter campaign, but what did you feel like you needed to show in the story section of Kickstarter to, you know, put, put the weight into it? Like, what did you feel like you needed to show? Was it emotion, feeling, just good rewards? What did you feel like you needed to put in there?
3: I felt like I needed to tell the story. I needed to turn the different elements of why we're doing this into a kind of cohesive storyline where by the time the reader has gone through it, which by the way, I don't think people read those. I think they just kind of skim them and are like, here's a couple points. Look at the photos. But I put a lot, I I put more thought into the video that I did into, um, into the story part, but the, the heart of it, I was trying to translate our heart and like how we got to this pace of thinking that this was a good idea, which for yeah. us, that part of that storyline was COVID part of it was we have to release music. Now the world needs music. Now we shouldn't hold back our songs until it's a more ideal time. Um, right. And then at the end, I did talk about some rewards and FAQ. But mm-hmm. again, with that emotional songwriter mindset, I'm just like, I want to hook them in their hearts. <laughs> yeah, Right. Right. Yeah. Did,
0: was there concern about just the, the, um, just the world you know nobody has money right yeah. the whole world is in this state of like what's happening next were you guys concerned about that at all yes
3: every time that like a new news article would come out about people i would just be like oh i just i was most concerned about being culturally insensitive sure. about this time and so that's why we tried to really have a delicate light touch to how we approached it and we really tried to give even our fans an out and say if this isn't for you you're still part of the family we still love you we get that this isn't an ideal time right um and I guess I still even have those concerns, but then I look at our Kickstarter page, which is doing great. So I'm like, I guess it wasn't a problem. But sure. yeah, that was that was scary to think about for sure. Like what if it just totally if it didn't do well though, that would be a good excuse. I could be like, oh, it's because of COVID. It's not because <laughs> right, of right, us. Right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all about pivoting. We can pivot, you know. Exactly. Over here. Yep,
1: exactly. That's cool. That's
0: cool. Well, I mean, we've literally mentioned probably Kickstarter a gazillion times, but haven't actually talked about some specifics. So while we're talking right now, there's about 14 days to go in it. Over eighteen hundred backers, which is—I mean—that's awesome in my world. I, I love the amount of backers more than the money sometimes because it's just like that's okay people. There's a there's a person behind that, right? Like, yeah. um, but the money yeah. right now over one hundred forty thousand dollars. So, uh, I mean, you're crushing it right now. Um, what's has there been something behind the scenes in the dashboard that has just been like I did not expect this. We are gigantic in Taiwan, or I don't know. Is there something that's just like, ah! well, you know, something weird?
3: Um, I, I haven't looked into the actual <laughs> location in as much. What I do look at is uh, where traffic is coming from, where uh, what rewards are going, and then um, the average pledge, which right now our average pledge is uh, about $77.00 which Mm -hmm. is interesting because of our last Kickstarter, we can compare dashboards from our last Kickstarter, which is nice. And that one was about $43. Hmm. So I don't know if it's going to maybe keep going down because all the big, all the super fans got the really cool rewards at the beginning that are now gone. So I don't know, but I I am pretty impressed that the back, the average pledge is so high. Like that's pretty cool.
0: That's great. That's that's great. Um, And how did you guys think about... Because I think, again, when we used to do these for musicians, we love stretch goals and add-ons and all kinds of that little stuff too. How did you guys apply a stretch goal strategy and thinking about that um, in in this as well?
3: I mean, we just... Lot of some rewards that we weren't going to release in the beginning that we'll release as we go. we have yeah. usually release them on Fridays. Fridays are a great day in the music industry yeah. to, to share new things, launch new things, probably the world too. Um, and so it's kind of been on the fly. Like every night I'm, I'm texting with my, you know, operations admin girl who's got a lot of great ideas with me and I'm like, Ooh, we should do this. Let's release this. And it has made a big difference. We didn't add a continued um, new rewards or we didn't do stretch goals. We didn't do add-ons for our first campaign. And mm-hmm. so, and I know that add-ons what bring about 20%, 30% growth, apparently, supposedly. Yeah. So so that's been good. But we just launched the stretch goals uh, about five days ago. We beat one of them. One of them is intentionally so high that we probably won't reach it, which is fine because I don't even want. Because it's it's if we get $250,000, Sean will get a dog. He really wants a dog. I do not want a dog. So it's a win-win for me. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, well, what kind of dog is it though? What's that's, what is there a, uh, a dog you want? I mean, a if, is it like a shepherd. Okay, like a
3: huge first that's a dog. It's dog. a big. He wants it big to big do first. security on tour. I'm just like, what are you, what? he's also a big fishing guy, he, like, he wants to have a fishing buddy dog, I don't know. I, don't okay. know. I yeah. think at
0: that point, well, at that point, isn't that like a basset hound or something like that, with like the big ears? Is, is that a fishing dog? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, you, I don't know,
3: you tell me.
0: I toured with my little Yorkie, Miss Madeline Francis, that was my Did touring dog. No, yeah, little little Aww. Yorkie in the bag, and we went all over the place, and uh, that's what we would do. So yeah, that's she, so she toured the road, she mixed everything with me, so yeah. Um, that's awesome. So what Outside of being on this podcast, which is like probably your number one strategy to continue the campaign growing, what else That's might you be doing to uh, to just make sure that you're keeping energy up, um, keeping people excited and making sure that that trough of despair is not a isn't as deep right you know
3: <laughs> right um, it's mostly continued engagement with our fans we never really put a lot of stock into like press will come on board or this really awesome opportunity will come we always like to rely on what we know we have full control over so for sure. us that's social posting we're doing a bunch of live streams and that's really fun we obviously have our you know email campaigns we have text messages that we send out um That's, that's about the extent of it. We're pretty active on socials right now. It's a a full-time job, you know, campaigning (laughs) right now. So that's about it. Yeah. And then
0: how about just in general? I mean, this, I I am nervous about this for all musicians. What is like just life like right now? I mean, the uncertainty, the, are you touring? Like, what does it feel like to be in your guys' shoes right now?
3: It's a little sad. It's a little, yeah. like, depressive, especially for a lot of us musicians who already have perhaps emotional and mental issues that we work through on a regular basis. Sure,
1: sure. The
3: thought of not having that outlet, the thought of the uncertainty. Um, it's currently looking like fall 2021 would be the earliest, but it's just going to – it's been pushed back this whole time. I anticipate it will keep being pushed back. So 2022 yeah. probably. So then you're like, well <sighs> – what do I do? Like, what do I do financially to survive? What do I do for my well being to not go crazy? We're not used to being at home for months at a time. Sure. That feels really yep. weird. But what I do see is some of my friends, like you mentioned, pivoting. Like, that's kind of what's happening. People are finding a really great audience on Twitch, or obviously the uh, virtual concerts, you know, underwrote mm-hmm. what $600,000 on their live stream? Like, what? Yep. Yep. I'm hopeful that what can happen is bands will find a new way to make an income and connect with their fans during this time. And then when touring is back on, it will just be an additional opportunity for them where they can have even more revenue and more connection yep. with their fans. That would be yep. the ideal outcome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I agree with you. So like, I'm, I still do, I do live sound for big mega churches now. So like, that's how I got oh, wow. into like mixing for like 3000 people on a Friday and Saturday and Thursday and Sundays all day. Right. Wow. But yeah. it has been intriguing. Cause I'm, I'm at a very high end in the production level. Right. Like, we're live streaming to huge audiences, line arrays, all that sort of stuff. But it has been intriguing just to watch. Um, you know, well, we've got a whole new channel now. Like, you know, yeah. we, we're broadcasting all the time. It sounds good, looks good. It's a great experience there, as well as the in person. So I hope bands see that and go, yeah, I'm, I'm in Detroit. You're in Nashville. I'll watch. I'll watch. You know, I'll Kitty exactly. some- from, you know, PayPal you or Venmo you and enjoy some songs. Though.
3: yeah i hope it ends up being because touring is really expensive but virtual yeah. streaming i think maybe isn't quite as expensive or the costs are a little bit easier to yeah. calculate in advance so in theory maybe there could be like a higher return on investment for bands what I, I get concerned about is bands who are so mad that they can't tour that they refuse to look at other potential
0: opportunities
3: yeah. where they're just like keeping their heads down like f this this sucks i'm just gonna wait and yeah. i'm like oh no like don't do that
0: yeah 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 well i, I I will say, though, there is something about the live show experience that just does not quite come across through a Zoom.
3: (laughs) I know, but then what if touring is even better than ever? And what if people, you know, pack out these clubs or what if people are willing to pay more for that live experience? A lot of times, you know, bands at our level just barely make a profit on touring. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just kind of iffy if that's going to happen. So if it could be a little bit more consistent and reliable, that would be just amazing,
1: you know? Yeah,
0: and I wonder, what does the interaction look like if you do know that you're... you're playing, but your audience is the world, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like you're really like, how could you bring in engagement? And, 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 you know, it's video streams, right? We're all, we're all doing it, right? So how do you incorporate yeah. that stuff into your world that really bring, brings people in? You know, in a more live, engaging way, if that makes sense, right? You know, than just watching yeah. it passively on Facebook on a Tuesday night. Right. You know? That's the question. Yeah. Can you,
3: you know, stream your fans in? Can you be giving shout outs? Can you still be doing giveaways? Like, what what kind of creative stuff can you be adding to the live stream to make it fun, basically? Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I guess what starts happening, you know, the Kickstarter ends. Let's, all right. Money's in the bank account. Everything's in. This kind of ends. You have a, I'm assuming, a launch, Release right? You have a you have a day that you launch it. Is it goes up. Does it all hit? yeah, it, it all goes to Spotify's. But what
3: starts happening for you guys? uh Well, okay, we don't have the album release date quite locked in yet because yeah. there is. I know this is so cliche at this point, but there are some COVID related delays for us that we're experiencing <laughs> with the manufacturing side. So we're hesitant to give an exact date until we really have that sure. locked in. We don't want to move it anyway. When that comes out we will send out all these rewards we promised everyone. That'll be a lot of lyric sheet writing, a lot of Zoom calls, you know, a lot of fun stuff. So that'll take a month probably, you know, just shipping out all the rewards. We've got music videos planned and we actually were able to increase our uh, number of music videos we're doing because of the Kickstarter, which is super exciting. And then after the album comes out, we will continue to focus on each new song. So each song on the album gets a little bit of highlight, even if it wasn't a single. And then we will start... We will kick off the album launch with a huge virtual live stream, like an album release party. And then the plan is to consistently be doing those throughout the spring, basically.
0: That's cool. That's very cool. That's as far as uh, we've
3: gotten. Yeah. Hey, that's good. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: that's as far as you should probably should go. Cause you just never know what's going to happen in like a week. So, you know. no kidding. yeah. Um, so, one of the things that um, just, and I've said this a gazillion times on other episodes, but like I've killed a couple companies just over shipping, right? We just didn't calculate shipping correctly. Yeah. So how did you guys approach shipping and handling for many I different products and just stand back and go, all right, we're okay. We, we've got this stuff covered. I can ship the vinyl. I can ship the CD. I can ship the things, right? How did you guys uh, navigate yeah. that? Well, we kind of learned
3: from the first Kickstarter when we ships hoodies all over the world for $25 shipping, and I was like, oh, Lord. Yeah. Uh, so we de- we definitely knew that going into it. We are uh, a band who ships merch regularly internationally, so we are pretty aware of the different costs, but what we did this time is, unfortunately, we limited a lot of the heavier stuff to just U.S., which sure. is a bummer, but that's kind of the safe way to do it. Uh, we had that woman I mentioned earlier, my operations administrator, do all the like calculating because she has a lot of our merch fulfillment. And then additionally, we have some partners in the UK who will be manufacturing vinyl um, and CDs at least on their end. So they will ship from UK in a way that makes sense. There will ship yeah. from the US where it makes sense. So I hope that that'll help relieve the burden, but I'm expecting a huge margin of error like, that we just yeah. screwed it up yeah, and yeah, that and, we're going to and- be like, crap!
0: Right. Yeah. It happens. It's definitely a part yes. of it. And even even every campaign that we work on, even when we're like, no, we got it. It's all good.
3: No. Oh, Especially with, with the US, USPS is such a mess right now. I feel like, yeah. I mean, is yeah. it even still going to be around when this stuff ships? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah.
0: We're, all, <laughs> yeah. we're I guess we're all in this together to some degree, right? <laughs> so, uh, no kidding. Yeah. Yes. Well, cool. So, what does, I guess, you know, as much as you can t- 2021, you can potentially start, t- start touring again. Does it just seem like that's really like the next big thing is that you would go out and tour this record and, uh, and just kind of get back into that flow. Um, and when, Ooh. after that, what does like five years look like for you guys? Is it just, Hey, we're going to do a bunch more albums. We've got big ideas and plans. What's, what's your world roadmap look like for, for the band?
3: Uh, yeah, not much. I mean, we we don't, I used to do like these big five-year plans and quarterly objectives and it just burned me out. So now I'm just like, I just want to like keep making music. Um, I can see touring being pushed back far enough that we're just sitting around twiddling our thumbs and then we will go back to the studio and make another album. And then sure. we'll, we won't probably tour on till we're touring on that album. So if, if the risk here is that we could potentially be making this album that we're really proud of and never officially tour on it and right. kind of get buried, which is really scary and sucks, but the alternative is just waiting around and doing nothing. So we can't sure. do that.
1: Sure. But, um, That's awesome. as
3: far as five years, I just want to keep making music, keep touring. That's the plan.
0: That's cool. That's awesome. Well, if you've got a minute, I'd like to flip over to nothing to do with about music. Well, maybe a little bit about music and no Kickstarter talk. Just uh, okay. like a little lightning round. Um, so, what are you watching uh, currently in the streaming world? Netflix, Hulu. Are you watching anything right now?
3: I'm watching the new Shits Creek uh, season, okay. and then I'm rewatching House of Cards. I like to watch House of Cards in the fall because it feels like such a cozy fall
0: oh, yeah. show to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. House of Cards was so good, and then it just well, you know, after the
3: I know.
0: Well,
1: um, that's
3: the point I'm out right now. And I'm like, should I keep watching or what? Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. I never finished it the first time. So I, I didn't wanna
1: either.
3: Get, yeah, yeah, I want to get to the last season because I love Robin Wright. I want to see her kill yeah. that role. I don't know. We'll see if I can get through it or not.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, is there a, a movie, though, that you've watched recently?
3: Uh, I watched a movie called The One That I Love with uh, Elizabeth, whatever her name is, from Handmaid's Tale.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, she was in Mad Men and stuff, right? Isn't that her Yeah, name? yeah, um,
3: yeah. You know, uh, I can
0: picture her right now. Yeah.
3: Exactly. So she's in this crazy, trippy, like psychological movie called "The One That I Love," and it was really weird.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Is there a uh, now? Obviously, I know you listen to all my podcasts. That's obviously. Is there uh, any other podcasts that you uh, that you listen to?
3: Uh, I like one called Meditation Minis. Okay. It's just a meditation podcast. It's not quite like easy listening. It's more to fall asleep to. Um, sometimes I listen to like Brittany Brown's podcast. That's I'm listening to yeah um have you heard of the go-giver that book series Mm. you Mm. totally need to look into it it's like right up your alley um it's all about how to instead of being a go-getter being a go-giver and how to connect with your audience through giving and so the author bob something has a podcast that kind of in preparation for the kickstarter to be in that mindset i was really digging into just in case there's any great ideas or kind of like the attitude and the posture that i want to have for this campaign he's really inspiring for that
0: yeah that's awesome that's a Really good stuff. I'll have to check that out. That's, that sounds really yeah. good. How about, how about a book? Are you reading anything right now?
3: Yeah, I'm reading um, Simon Sinek's Start With Why, again, for the same reason. You, okay. you know, the Start With Why yep. TED Talk. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. yeah, great. Um, Atomic Habits. That's like a pretty classic one right now. And then I'm rereading my favorite book, which is Desire Map by Danielle Laporte. Hmm. So heard
1: it's all about yeah. how to
3: set goals based on how you want to feel instead of how you want to, what you want to accomplish. It's like a more almost feminine way to approach life instead of this very like dominate
0: over <laughs> uh, some of that toxic masculinity that I believe yeah. is uh, uh, you know, ruining our country but what, right. what do I know
1: what do I know? <laughs> yeah.
0: that's awesome that's awesome well where can people you know if this is their first time kind of checking it where can they dive into your world and yeah start absorbing where can they go
3: uh, I recommend YouTube because we have a lot of cool videos. So just search Icon for Hire on YouTube. Our uh, latest music video just came out last week. And then we're pretty active on Instagram. So that's just at Icon for Hire. And then we've got a website. But I don't know. Do people go to websites I, for I bands? Uh,
0: no. There's know. nothing better than I, when I'm, somebody's like, we want to hire you for to build out a full like 10-page website. And I'm like, but who's going to this thing?
3: I know. But, it's such a waste no, no, no. of effort. They'll, they'll click
0: through all these pages and they'll de- – no, they're not. <laughs> no, people don't do that. Do you, no. I, I, my always response is like, do you do that?
3: No, I don't. Know. No, maybe you go to like a Wikipedia, maybe yeah. some social profiles. That's about it.
0: And then read like, uh, there, and then off to the next thing. Yep, <laughs> read like, exactly. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, again, congrats on the Kickstarter. Uh, I'm excited to watch. Uh, I'll be leaving here and becoming a backer in just a minute here because I'm a serial oh, Kickstarter backer. Uh, thank you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, great, great job, and I was super excited to have this conversation. I appreciate taking time out of your day, and I encourage everybody, please go check out the uh, Kickstarter right now. It's, uh, it's awesome. It's a very good job. Cool. Thanks so much for having me and spreading the word and for the yes. great conversation. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much. All right.
3: Bye. Appreciate
1: it.
0: All right how about that conversation I told you guys we got in the weeds it was it for me it was so good to hear the things that we were talking about in GBS Detroit so if you don't know GBS Detroit message me or search it there's all kinds of content we put out where we were doing Kickstarters in the beginning of this but the same philosophies that we chatted about and we told about and we talk about still to this day that all that stuff that we did back in 2009 2010 eleven 12 13 14 all the way up to 2016 it still exists to this day. It's entertaining your crowd. It's connecting with them. It's who is your tribe? Who's your community? Being vocal, being on all the platforms, being excited, have stuff to talk about, share vulnerability. All of this stuff is what gets you to have backers, gets you to have fan bases. So even if you're not doing a Kickstarter, they'll come see you play a show. You're not doing a Kickstarter, they'll buy your thing on Shopify, they'll buy your thing on Amazon. Gotta create that tribe and that community around your product. And no better example than what we just talked about. So again, Ariel, thank you so much for your time. Uh, great, great conversation. It was awesome, awesome to, to, to connect. And I hope you're doing well. If you haven't, go check it out, guys. Go check it out right now. But with all that said, why don't we listen to some sugar people, right? Let's listen to, to me being in a band. How about that? Yeah, me writing some songs and So oh oh oh, we got a little party going on outside here. Sorry, guys. Yeah, it was okay All right, guys. Hope you're doing. Hope you guys are doing well. And I will talk to you all later
2: by uncertainty, I'm surrounded by these cold, dark things that keep trying to possess me. I'm saying no, 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 my words will now. Just to feel the warmth of the breeze. I'm feeling like a prisoner. Still, I know I hold the key. I'm taking one step to unlocking in the door to a hole that's waiting on me. I know these walls can be whatever I make them. I've been so blind, I climbed inside and couldn't break them. But now I realize I'm stronger This house can hold me no